I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Kay's Catalogue. Affordable fashions for all ages and tastes, no still suits though. On this week's podcast, I'm looking at the album, Peace of Mind, and on the last nine episodes, I've looked at each song, one by one, which is what normally happens on my podcast. I analyse the song, and I reflect on it, and how I felt about it growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham, and I listen again today to see if I've changed my opinion, and often I have. This isn't a highlight show of the last nine episodes. I try and add some different thoughts, because I'll be looking at the whole album pieced together, (laughs) and I've used the word pieced there, and the album's called Peace of Mind. I suppose that isn't actually that funny. It's an Iron Maiden album that was released in the 1980s, so therefore it's seen as a classic album. It was released in 1983, and this is the first album I bought with my pocket money. I think I bought it after Christmas, or it could have been my birthday, I don't know. I think I bought it from a chemist called Boots, and that sounds strange, doesn't it, buying a record from a chemist? Or maybe it's called a drugstore in your country, or a pharmacy. Either way, it's from Boots. I went downstairs in Birmingham and bought the record. It was quite nice to hold it and take it to the counter with my mum. I felt proud that I was a little boy and I was putting this adult-looking record on the counter with Eddie. I thought it might scare the shop assistant. But she didn't say anything. She just rang it through the till and took my money. I didn't appreciate the level of detail in the songs that I do today as a man because I can see things and I've got hindsight, which means I can see how things might relate to later releases, some similar themes or guitar parts. Looking at the track list, as I've said, there's nine songs. On previous albums, I've talked about the symmetrical form of some of them, particularly on the debut album, where there's four songs on each side, which are quite similar. As there's nine songs here, it can't be symmetrical. So one side's got four songs, and the other one's got five songs. This isn't that important, but it's the only album in the 1980s that had an odd number of songs on it. And by odd... I mean uneven, not strange. The first three songs on the album, Where Eagles Dare, Revelations and Flight of Icarus, are all excellent, and I think this is their best opening trilogy of any of the albums I've covered to date, and I'd probably go as far as to say the best of the 1980s. They're all classic songs. Where Eagles Dare, it's just amazing. And that section in the middle where the guitar comes in and there's that sort of drum and almost like the bullets from the planes. That's incredible. I heard that walking down the street the other day on my headphones and it sounds really powerful. It wouldn't have sounded that powerful on a a record player in the 80s. But on modern day headphones, you can really appreciate the bass and the range of the sounds. I believe it's called the Sonic Landscape. Revelations follows and earlier on I said this might be the weakest track 2 of the 1980s which is quite a controversial statement. I was called a few names for saying this. I don't know if I still agree with this after hearing it more. It's really hard to sort of put them in an order. But certainly it's got its place here, and it's really good because it changes so much, and it it isn't annoying with all these changes. It it feels right. It's complex, but this isn't off-putting. It still invites you in. And then we've got Flight of Icarus, which is a very good single, I had a few comments after this episode, with people being quite surprised that I didn't rate it higher. I do think it's a good song, it's just 
Not as good as the previous two, in my opinion, but it is a good single. Is it the best single so far? I'm not sure. You have to sort of define what a good single is. I mean, I think I've said this before. Something like Two Minutes to Midnight is probably a better song than Run to the Hills, but Run to the Hills is a better single. These are the dilemmas I face as a world-renowned podcaster. Well, so far, so good. Three amazing, or very good songs to start the album off. But then, if you look at the track listing, the next six songs, you might look at them and think, well, there's only two classic songs here out of six. So that's not so good, is it? It's a bit patchy. The two songs I'm referring to are The Trooper and To Tame a Land. This might have a few people getting annoyed because they might be saying, what about Still Life? Well, yeah. In isolation, I think this is a good song, but it isn't a classic. And I think it suffers because it's after The Trooper and also because it's before Quest for Fire. I think it can't win either way, can it? So despite it being a classic album, there are a few weaknesses on it, and I'll look at those more later. One thing I notice is that on other albums so far, there's been more personal stuff in the lyrics. There's more of the word I or me. So on the debut album, I'm going to run through the songs like this. I've just got to find my way. Before my eyes, I'm running free. I've been looking so long for you now. I'm happy in my new strange world. Show me your leg. Won't you come into my room? And even if you've got Sanctuary on the debut, it's still got Give Me Sanctuary from the Law. So it's all about me. I. I don't mean me, Wayne. Obviously those songs aren't about me. But the song's lyrics are written from the perspective of the person writing them or the person singing them. So maybe this makes you feel more connected to them. It's an experience that they've had, so you believe them. I could do the same on the Killers album, again. A lot more of the personal stuff in the lyrics. When I summarised the number of the beast, I found out that there were more observations in the lyrics about things that had happened, like Vikings or the white man in Run to the Hills. But there's still some eyes in the songs, like in Prisoner and the number of the beast. But in this album, there's hardly any of that. It seems less personal. And there's a bit of a distance between the listener and, and the lyrics. So, yeah, Where Eagles Dare, it's about an event, to tame a land, about a book. In fact, there's a lot of things about books, films, TV shows or myths on this album. Obviously, you'll be pointing out where there is a me or an I. And that happens on The Trooper. And that, to me, makes that song even more powerful because it has got the personal stuff in it about as I lay there gazing at the sky. So that emotion, that experience, is made more real because it comes from that person. It's like it's been experienced by Bruce as he sings it, or, or you know, by Steve Harris who wrote the lyrics. But of course, he wasn't alive then, so he can't have been. So that makes the trooper stand out and makes it even more impressive on this album. The album's also quite iconic, as most of the albums are in the 80s, because of the sleeve and the artwork. Now on the Where Eagles Dare episode, some people were critical, because I spent a lot of time looking at that inner sleeve photograph of the band eating a roast dinner in a manor house in Jersey. I read online that someone said it was Steve Harris's house, but it wasn't. I think they thought that just because he had a beer bottle in his hand, that maybe he'd helped himself to his fridge and had given the band some sort of dodgy house wine from the cellar. But no, this was taken in Jersey. 
when they were recording earlier in the year. I think the sleeve isn't that good compared to some of the others of the 1980s. There's not much detail on it. It is in a padded cell. And we had Denzel get in touch the other week on the Sun and Steel episode, kindly revealing what the hex code was for the colour of this cell. Eddie was chained up in this padded cell. Clearly he was the, the person being sort of, not kept prisoner, but kept in confinement perhaps, because he's also had a lobotomy based on his head. I didn't know about lobotomies and padded cells as a boy. I just thought he'd had a haircut. Because on previous sleeves, he got hair. It's a bit spiky, a bit wild. And, and later on, he got a bit long, like the band. But now he was bald. It looked like he'd been to the barbers. I went to the barbers in the 1980s. And I came home crying at what he'd done. It was something called a crew cut. And it looked too short when I got home and looked in the mirror. I had to go to the barbers. Because I wasn't allowed to go to Christo's, the salon up the road, where my mum and her friend Christine went. I was allowed to go in and wait while my mum had a perm, but it wasn't very interesting. They just had hair magazines and woman's own. They didn't have the beano. Anyway, because of these tears when I came home from the barbers, my mum had to cut my hair for the rest of my childhood while standing in the garden with a towel round my neck. Apparently, you weren't allowed to grow your hair like I made if you went to the barbers, because I didn't know what to do. They had to shave it. So my mum told me she had to cut it. This was nice, although sometimes Trevor would watch out of his window, which was quite annoying. Once, I turned my head to shout at him, and my mum snipped my ear with the scissors. These experiences meant that I ended up with anxiety issues about going to the hairdressers. But then, if I didn't go, my hair would grow funny, and it looked like I had a mullet, so I couldn't win. Back to the sleeve though, and I think that it's strange that this album is the only gatefold sleeve for the records from this time. I think gatefold would have worked better on Somewhere in Time or the Seventh Son album, because those artwork pieces sort of wrap around better and are a bit more interesting. I don't know why they chose Peace of Mind to have this. Maybe they had a bigger budget after the success of the Number of the Beast album. Turning over to the back sleeve, and it's like a continuation of the sound. Except there's this open window. In an interview, Derek Riggs suggested that the window opened into sky because that symbolised freedom. It doesn't seem that strange that it's sky out the window because maybe Eddie's on the 14th floor or something and, and that's all he can see. But then Derek Riggs has also revealed that you can see the cell floating near the sun on the flight of Icarus single sleeve. So this is interesting. I had a look and yeah, Looks like a cube above Icarus. So this means that he's in a floating cell. That's strange. How do the staff at this institution get food to him? The cell isn't the only thing floating on the cover. On the back, there's also this weird glove that seems to be just there in thin air. It's not hung up on a coat hanger. It's just there. And it's holding like a pendant with Derek Riggs's signature on it. Derek Riggs said that it was inspired by a comic hero called the Steel Claw. And this was a man who had a steel hand. And when he stuck his fingers in the light socket, he turned invisible apart from the steel hand. And he thought this was really cool. That's what he said when he was five. So that's where that came from. Although I don't know what this has got to do with anything. But I bet when Derek Riggs painted this, he was probably laughing at the confusion it would cause. As I've mentioned, Derek Riggs and Martin Birch were posing in this picture of the band having a roast dinner. They were dressed as knights. And Martin Birch had a nickname on every album. He was Martin 
Farmer Birch on the Number of the Beast album. And it was Martin Headmaster Birch on the Killers album. But here, he was known as Martin Black Knight Birch. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Because he was dressed as a Black Knight. Except, Knight is spelled without a K. So it's Black Knight, like in the night time. This is a reference to his work with Deep Purple, because I had a song called Black Knight. Derek Riggs was also given a nickname, Dr. Death. So it was sort of linked with the Knights, but they were just doing a play on word. I think that's called a pun, but maybe I'll check with Trevor later. Further down on the text on the inner sleeve, where they sort of thank lots of people, they call this pair Marvin and Derek. Now you might think this is a misprint, and they've just put Marvin instead of Martin. But Martin Birch revealed in a fan club magazine that Marvin was like an alter ego for him when he got drunk. He became this other character. The album got to number three in the UK album charts. This is quite good. It's better than the debut album. But of course, the number of the beast had got to number one. So it was a bit of a step back, maybe. I think we heard in Steve Harris's diary that they couldn't compete with Michael Jackson's Thriller, which was a bestseller throughout the year. This was still number one by the time Peace of Mind was released in May. It got to number three in the first week of its release, which was impressive. And it was kept off the top by Michael Jackson's, as I said. But also, number two was an album called True by Spandau Ballet. It went down to number six the next week, so that was disappointing. I feel that there's a lot that lets this album down, in my opinion. I've, I've said already that there's probably too many harmonies in the choruses. Makes things a bit too commercial for my liking. Flight of Icarus, Die With Your Boots On, Quest For Fire. Yeah, I feel that they're a bit cheesy in places. I don't know if I put this in my top five albums by Iron Maiden because of this. I think there's a couple of dodgy songs as well. I've already mentioned Die With Your Boots On and Quest For Fire. And again, that's quite a high proportion of the songs. And there's a couple of others that are only you know, pretty good. They're not classics. I feel that they could replace Quest For Fire and Sun And Steel with another song. And this would have made Side 2 amazing. But they hadn't written this other song. I've just invented this. On the podcast Talking Maiden, both hosts, Josh and Nesbitt, said that this album was their second favourite by the band. So that's quite interesting that they rate it so highly. I think it shows that we've all got different opinions. I think it's got a good overall feel. And I've talked about that meat and gravy sound. But something that just holds it back a bit. I thought it was interesting that only Revelations, Trooper and Flight of Icarus featured on the Live After Death album. It's almost like they've left some of those songs behind already and some of them weren't played live in the first place. I must point out that there was an error in the Die With Your Boots On episode where I said that this was only played live on the World Peace Tour. Corky pointed out that it was played for some of the shows on the World Slavery Tour but because it wasn't on Live After Death maybe I'd assumed it hadn't been so I apologise for this. Most people talk about this album as being the final piece in the jigsaw because Nico McBrain took over on drums from Clive Burr. And of course, I've mentioned that opening drum section that leads into the album, which made a lot of fans sit up and take notice. I feel that this might even be a better intro than Aces High. And of course, they use the latter on most of the shows they've ever done. On the recent live album and the recent tour, they played both of these songs to open. And I think that was overkill. Where Eagles Dare feels more interesting because it hasn't been played live as much. And I wonder if those songs were reversed. I feel the same about Aces High. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now, see if he's got any additional comments about the album. Hi, Wayne. 
Hi Trevor, uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm alright. Looking forward to the Christmas special. Okay, well, that's all very nice, but we're here to talk about the album, aren't we, at the moment? The, the, let's not sort of sell this episode short. I know you're looking forward to the Christmas special, but we've got to talk about the album today. Peace of mind, nine songs. So, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, but you've already heard my thoughts on the songs. Uh, I don't know what else I can say. Well, normally we talk about the album as a whole and give our top three songs. Oh, yeah, well, I've got those. Yeah, I like doing that bit. Okay, so how do you feel about Peace of Mind, then? Well, I don't know, it's a tricky one. I think most fans would say that each album's getting better and better. So I think if you ask a lot of fans what their top four albums are out of the first four, they'd probably put this first, Number of the Beast second, Killers third, and Iron Maiden fourth, like reverse order. I don't know if I agree with this, though. I also don't like this Eddie as much. I don't like him without hair. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I like his outfit, though. You like his outfit? Yeah, because you can't see his arms, can you? Well, no, he's in, he's in a straight jacket. Yeah, but it reminds me of a friend I used to have, where he used to sort of put his arms through the wrong holes in his jumper, and he'd sort of do this funny movement. What do you mean? When you put a jumper on, you put your arms through the sleeve, don't you? Yeah. Well, he'd pull his arms out, so they'd be sort of next to his tummy, and then he'd put the left arm through the right sleeve and then he'd put the right arm through the left sleeve and then his arms would be twisted and he'd sort of wriggle them about a bit and it was funny. Right, well I'm not sure that's got to do with Iron Maiden but uh, let's look at our top three and then we can maybe talk about the songs in a bit more detail that you like. All right then. So maybe uh, if I'm just looking at the list here, uh, maybe if I do my number three and then you do your number three. Okay. And then if I do my number two, and then you do your number two. Yeah. And then if I do my number one, and then... You always do this. Every album review special, and you always claim you don't do it. You listen back, and we always have this argument. Well, it's not an argument, is it? I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. Yeah, but then I say, yeah, I understand. And then you just say, oh, well, I might as well just do my three first, and then you do your three. Do I? Yeah. It's quite annoying, actually. I'm surprised no one's put it in the feedback in the listener survey. All right, well, I'll mention the survey later. Thank you for bringing it up. But, um, okay, well, I'll just do my three then, and I've got that sound effect that I know is a hit with listeners, although no one mentioned that in the survey either. Well, no, they wouldn't, would they? It's more important things to look at. All right. Well, uh, anyway, I'll, uh, I'll go through it now. Number three. My number three is The Trooper. It's just a classic song. It's undeniable. Uh, as I said in the episode, it's quite simple. Um, just sort of three notes for most of it. And then, uh, yeah, it doesn't get boring, despite this. It, just, it keeps the energy, and you know, I want to carry on. I don't think, oh, there's another verse coming, like in Die the Boot somewhere, there's an extra chorus for no reason, which is annoying. The fact that it starts side two as well, it's like a big bang, like a, well, I suppose more like a, a bayonet stab, and as it opens, it sort of kicks in, and you just want to, oh, yeah, brilliant, and I can't believe this is number three, what am I, what am I talking about? But anyway, I'm going to keep it number three for now. Number two. Number two is where Eagle's there, and I've already explained a bit about this song, and it's just a, a really good opener, as I've said. Maybe it's the best opener of all time. And I feel like they've overdone Ace's high, as I've said, and maybe they should have gone with this more. I don't know why they didn't. 
And I used to thank Alistair McLean in the, uh, the credits as well on the thanks. Strangely, they also thanked Frank Herbert, which was a bit choosy. It didn't really help them. Number one. Talking of Frank Herbert, my number one is to tame a land, which uh, might be surprising. But I really like this song. And I feel like I didn't really do it justice in that final episode. I don't think I quite got to detail of how much I liked it. I used the word Boston, which uh, might have surprised people. This is like local dialect. And maybe people didn't understand it and they thought it was a type of beans. But I didn't, I didn't mean Boston. I meant Boston. Although it does remind me a bit of baked beans because they were a favourite of mine as a child as well. And, uh, beans on toast was a treat on a Saturday. I'd watch Saturday Superstore on the teller. And then it'd be grandstand and then I'd have beans on toast while they did football focus. This is irrelevant to the song, which is about Dune, uh, the book, or, or film as it became, by Frank Herbert. It's not about grandstand or, or Saturday morning television. But some things just sort of trigger memories, don't they? Oh, this has just got a good feel. I mentioned the Eastern flavour, which sort of became a sort of trademark in, in some songs. They did this a lot. And uh, I think might, maybe this is the first time they did it. It's just yet another good album closer by the band. So there you go, there's my top three. And... Uh, I'm sure other people will disagree. Uh, everyone's got different views. And, and, of course, there's some great songs on the album that I didn't mention there in the top three, which a lot of people will have. Maybe Trevor. Let's, In fact, yeah, let's, let's ask Trevor. That's what we're here for. So are you ready for your top three, Trevor? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm here. I've got, I've got some of the sound effects I've used previously. Maybe I'll throw a few new ones in. OK, well, bear in mind uh, we're on a time limit. So, uh, yeah, when you're ready. OK, my number three. is Revelations. This is one where I think the lyrics stand out. They're quite obscure, but but I like to look at them. And I like the fact that I don't fully understand it. I think that's nice. I don't want to know everything. I want I want mystery in my life. And this is good. I think Revelations is good. Anyway, I like it. It, it changes tempo a lot. And it's one of those songs. I think it's just a classic. And yet, a lot of people wouldn't think of it. If you said to someone, name your top. 10 Iron Maiden songs I don't know if many people would put it in and maybe that's right but it's one that I think should be considered up there Alright well thanks very much uh, it wasn't in my top 3 so yeah that's interesting Ok my number 2 <laughs> is Where Eagles Dare so that's the same as you isn't it Wayne yeah, it is, yeah. I think I agree with you. I think it's a very good opener. Um, I like the image of snow. Um, I think you haven't pointed that out, have you, Wayne, how it starts off with snow and blizzards on the first song, and at the end it's all hot and sunny, and uh, that's quite interesting. Why is that interesting? Well, the contrast. Start off a bit chilly, and maybe you want to put your mittens on when you're listening to it, but then at the end you can just sit in your pants. I don't think the album generates temperature. I think it's just in your mind. Yeah, maybe. All right, my number one. Is The Trooper. Um, Yeah, I think I probably highlighted this in the episode about, again, memories, like you said, about running around the garden dressed as Trevor The Trooper. I think that album brings back that time. So I dressed 
there's other things around the garden. Just I think the songs have a nice energy for running around in. I like the gatefold sleeve of the album. Um, it's nice, you could hide things in it. Pull it back on the shelf, like love letters. Love letters? Yeah, or other things, or cuttings from magazines. I think it's, I remember it smelling nice as well. I think old vinyl smelled like gin. Gin? Yeah, but I didn't know this at the time. I only noticed this recently when I smelled some gin. And I thought, that smells like records from the 1980s. I don't know how you'd uh, think that. Maybe mum spilt some on, on the records. No, no. No one spills things. Only you. All right, well, before we get on to that, which I know where that's going. Um, so, yeah, so no poem for me this week uh, as we're looking at the whole album. So that, that's okay. So thank you for your top three. Any thoughts? Okay, so with the Christmas special then, uh, what do you want to happen? Well, maybe we'll talk about this in the week rather than on, on this show. Well, can I come round for Christmas? No, why would you do that? Well, because they've, they've lifted some restrictions, haven't they? You can sort of bubble with people. Uh, I think I think we've actually got our bubble sorted. Have you? Yeah. Um, I think my sister's coming down and uh, my mum's friend Christine's coming on, I think, later in the day. Oh, OK, so that's three households then. Yeah, so, yeah, sadly... But with the with the Christmas show, I mean that's not happening on Christmas Day anyway, is it? We'll probably do that earlier. But yeah, maybe just stick with the the, the usual thing, um, and then yeah, I'll, I'll just give you a ring. Oh, okay. I thought it might I thought it might be a longer episode or something, and maybe you'd want more from me. Well, as I said, I'll give you talking. I don't want to reveal things now. Um, anyway, looking at the uh, top three list, I, I was writing them down. I think it's the first time we've been quite different. So my number one wasn't even in your top three, was it? No, I suppose. Sorry, I'm still disappointed about Christmas. Well, all right. Well, as I'm quite happy that you do a bit more. As I say I'm not expecting any poems from you, so maybe do something different. Well, that's good because I have got something different. Oh well, okay. Well, again, if you discuss that with me first, so we can see if it's appropriate, because I've obviously got ideas. Oh, you'll like this. Listeners will like it too. Okay. Well, let's hope so. Um... So I'll speak to you in the week anyway, um, then we can work this out, and then, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good show, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a bit. OK, thanks, Wayne. Bye. OK, well, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for listening over the last four seasons or series. Um, we've come to the end of another album, as Trevor's mentioned several times. There's a Christmas special next week. Um, there's also a listener survey out at the moment, so if you've seen that on social media, you can fill in the form there. Uh, I haven't got a closing date, but there's going to be a, a prize draw on the uh, Christmas special. So if you do it by then, that's a good start. I've had a nice mixture of comments and feedback. Um, people with different views on things, which is good. So you know, that can help me going forward. Um, there's you know, things that people like, things that people not so keen on. Um, I think the balance is quite good. And in fact, someone's actually sent that. Someone said the formula works. So that's good. So that's peace of mind done and dusted I think on the earlier albums the album review show was quite a lot longer than the episodes but as time's gone on those episode lengths have doubled so as a result the album review show is sort of the same length or even less so it's just like a bonus bit really so uh, but next week we've got the Christmas special I'm not sure how long that'll be so that'll be good and uh, hopefully you'll join me for that as we get closer to Christmas and the end of the year so thank you for listening throughout 2020 and uh 
for all your comments, feedback, Fray Bentos pies and more. Um, so yeah, I'll uh, leave you with a bit from peace of mind and uh, see you next week. Bye bye.